AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. In the last days, another twist in a case out of Anaheim that has baffled legal eagles and court watchers all across the country. Where does the whole story start? It starts with a beautiful young mom, Giselle Preston. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Zazel Zizi Preston is a beloved mother of three, two daughters, a three-year-old and an eight-year-old. She also has a seven-week-old son with her new husband, William Wallace. The 26-year-old dreams of becoming a domestic violence counselor and returns to school to make it happen, taking classes at Cypress College. Joining me, an all-star panel to break it down and put it back together again. You were just hearing our friends at CrimeOnline.com talking about this gorgeous young mom of three a brand new seven-week-old son with her new husband, planning to go back, actually taking classes at Cypress College. That's hard to do. Raise three children and go to school full-time. Very difficult, very stressful at home. With me, Alexis Terezchuk, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, also with LeadStories.com. Dan Scott, former L.A. County Sheriff Sergeant, 26 years. Special Victims Bureau specializing in family matters. Dr. Michelle Dupree, forensic pathologist, former medical examiner, author of Homicide Investigation Field Guide, and former police detective to boot, Dr. Angela Arnold. Renowned psychiatrist joining us out of the Atlanta jurisdiction, Melissa Hutmeyer, Prince George County Chief of the Special Victims Unit. Uh, she's joining us today, also co-founder of Right Response Consulting. And a very special guest joining us, Lori Galloway, very, very dear friend of Giselle Preston, founder and executive director of the Eli Shelter Homes for Abused Children, the former Mayor Pro Tem of Anaheim. And you can find her on Instagram at Lori Galloway, uh, also on Twitter. Lori, thank you for being with us today. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. Lori, could you just tell me 
about your friend? You know, just thinking about her and um, just bringing back the memory, she was such a special special person and the thing that was most special about her was her heart she was a truly compassionate loving forgiving uh, faith person and uh, anyone who would meet her and know her just um, you know loved her she was that kind of a person I understand she was just over the moon about the new baby the seven-week-old baby boy yes she was, she was very much, very much in love with, with him. He was just uh, heaven on earth to her. Guys, in the last days, this case has taken another, yet another twist. Right now we're talking about Zizel Preston, 26 years old, two daughters, just three and eight, and a seven-week-old son with her brand-new husband. You her that she's going back to school at Cypress College. There's so much about her that we don't know. We don't know about her upbringing. We don't know about what turned her into the wonderful mother that she became. But I do know this. Take a listen to our friends at Crime Online. Wallace called 911 at approximately 9.30 a.m. to report that his wife needed medical attention, but that was after calling Preston's family to complain that she wouldn't wake up. Zazel Preston was unresponsive when Anaheim Police Department officers arrived. Preston was slumped over on the couch when paramedics arrived. Okay, 911, 9.30 in the morning, reporting his wife needed help. Uh, he calls 911. When 911 gets there, the wife is slumped over on the family sofa. Now, right there, I find that unusual. To Lori Galloway, uh, excuse me, to Melissa Hotmeyer, the Prince George County Chief of the Special Victims Unit. Very, t- I remember as a little girl, Melissa, hearing my mother screaming in the back bedroom. And I never saw my parents have a scream fest, ever. And she was yelling, Mac, Mac, Mac. And then I heard what sounded like a slap. And I jumped up in my PJs and ran back there. She was performing CPR on my dad. My dad had, um, was a heart patient his whole life, starting in his late 30s. And my mother saved his life Uh, on that occasion. So I would expect when 911 arrives to see uh, Giselle Preston lying down on a hard surface, because we all know you can't do CPR on a soft surface like sofa, where dad or somebody would be performing CPR. But that is not what 911 found when they got there. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And, and you know, that is where the investigation will definitely have to start. Um, looking into that. And, you know, to you, Alexis Tereschuk, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter as well with LeadStories.com. Alexis, thank you for being with us. But, you know, I hate to attack uh, an upset spouse or family members. But, I mean, what, let me just be blunt. What idiot wouldn't try to do CPR, Alexis? Not only did he not try to do CPR, he so he called 911. He told them she's unresponsive. They 
explained it, you know, that the operators are trained to teach you how to do CPR so you can help somebody. They'll stay on the phone with you while you do it. They were telling him, okay, here's how you do it. You have to move around the floor. He hung up on the operator. Okay, now right there, right there. That's why I love 911 calls so much. Uh, as far as I, I don't enjoy just listening to 911 calls, Alexis, I love 911 calls because they tell me so much about the moment of the incident. In this case, tell me that again, Alexis Tereschuk. Not only when 911 got there, he's not even trying to do CPR. Not even trying. She's still slumped over as if she's sitting on, she is, she's sitting on the sofa, slumped over. And guys, I know I'm beating this fact, but it means a lot to me when it comes to uh, investigating a case. Every detail matters. I'm are you telling me, because I, I didn't hear the 911 call, that they asked him to stay on the line to regarding CPR instructions and he hung up on them? Yes, he was. they were telling him, well, if she's not asking him, is she breathing? Here's how you can give her CPR. And he just hung up on them. And then when the paramedics arrived and the police, there was no sign around her. There wasn't any blood or anything like that. So they immediately just thought, oh, this, this woman, you know, just needs to be revived and went right to help her out. You know, Dan Scott, former L.A. County Sheriff Sergeant, 26 years special victims unit. You think he could tell a story or two? Dan Scott, right there. That bothers me. And, you know, very often we're told, you know, you can't prove a case on a gut feeling. And that's definitely true. But when I go into a scene and I see the mom in distress and she's still just sitting on the sofa with her head down. Uh, Dan Scott, have you ever noticed a defendant has bizarre behavior, let's just say at a hospital or a funeral? They don't act upset at all. And you'll hear defense argue till they're blue in the face. Well, there's no playbook for grief. B.S. Dan Scott. I know what I would do if my husband slumped over on the sofa and I pray to God that doesn't happen. That's exactly true. There, well, there is no playbook for grief, but most people react the way we would expect them to react. If not, there's a reason for it. And the cops that were there would have, been, first of all, been alerted by the 911 operator that he hung up. And then they would have observed this behavior that just does not fit. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design icon West Elm, the natural hybrid is the culmination of the two companies' shared values of premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, 
and environmentally safe foams, the natural hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. I want to do that. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy to learn more. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we're talking about 911 arriving at the home of Giselle Preston. She's 26 years old, has a seven-week-old baby boy she loves with her new husband, and she's slumped over on the sofa. Why is she slumped on the sofa? Why isn't he performing CPR? You know, Alexis Tereschuk, you and I sat through, I think, every single day of testimony of the Scott Peterson case. And everyone, uh, he had a great defense attorney. Mark Garagos, who we have never agreed on one thing, not even one. Uh, But he's still a very good defense attorney in court. He went on and on and on, explaining away why Scott Peterson didn't go on searches for Lacey, uh, had to be dragged to the vigil, wouldn't speak publicly about help me find my wife. Nothing. And everyone detractors would say, well, you know what? You can't judge him by the way he's acting at a time like this. O-H-E-L-L-N-O, Alexis. I will, because it's not judging. It's deducing evidence, Alexis. It's all the markings from all the cases that we have covered. It's a sign that somebody is hiding something. And so Scott, not going to any of those vigils or looking for... What, are you like pen pals? You're on a first name basis now? I do call him Scott. Mr. Peter, Mr. Peterson, I don't know. Sounds so. Stop. You can do that on your own time. Not mine, please. Well, he is. You know what he was doing the whole time? He was texting with his girlfriend. He was telling her he was in Paris. He was plotting to get together with her again. Wait a minute, Alexis. Excuse me. Do you remember when he said he was in Paris? He even made up friends for his names and gave them stereotypically French names like Mm -hmm. Jacques and Pierre. Things. I mean, really? Okay, talk about weird behavior when your wife is missing, uh, or in this case, let me bring it back into the middle of the road, get out of the weeds. This guy's just sitting there. He hangs up on 911 when they try to tell him how to do CPR. Uh Uh-uh, right there I got a problem. But you know what? Don't just listen to me. Listen to our friends at Crime Online. Take a listen. Christmas morning, the three- and eight-year-old daughters woke up to open presents. At some point, Wallace dragged Preston's body into the living room and placed it on the couch. He put sunglasses on the body, and according to the oldest daughter, Wallace told the children, Mommy ruined Christmas. She got drunk and ruined Christmas. He then videotaped the children opening their Christmas presents in front of her. The eight-year-old says she remembers touching her mom, and she was rock hard and cold. She says she called mommy, but Preston didn't respond. You know what? That's like drinking from the fire hydrant. I got so much facts just then from Jackie Howard uh, at Crime Online. I I really don't know where to start with that. Uh, The reality is uh, Melissa Hotmeyer, chief of the Special Victims Unit at Prince George County, I would have to turn that into about three or four 
giant posters to break it down, each sentence to break it down into 10 or 11, 12 points for the jury. Let, let's just start with uh, putting sunglasses on mommy and propping her up on the sofa. Wait, no, 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 Melissa. Let's start. Hold on, Melissa. I'm going to go to a shrink on this. I'm sorry. I need an MD psychiatrist, not just a JD like you and myself. <laughs> Dr. Angie, Hi. what about that Christmas memory? Where the little girl goes up to mommy who's sitting on the sofa wearing sunglasses on Christmas morning. Daddy, P-I-S-S-E-S -S -S on her. That's a technical legal term that I don't allow the children to say. By telling the children, oh, mommy's drunk. She ruined Christmas. And the little girl to defend mommy runs over to mommy. Mommy's cold and rock hard. Well, you think that little girl will ever have Christmas again? She'll never. She'll. Oh, it's it's so sad, Nancy. Cool. How could she? Chills all the way down. How could she ever? How could she ever have a Christmas morning that that doesn't go through her mind? I mean, that poor child is going to need so much therapy. Can we, can we just talk about another aspect of this? To uh, Melissa Hotmeyer, veteran trial lawyer, putting sunglasses on mommy and telling the children, "Oh, mommy's drunk." That's called staging. Yeah, and it shows such a level of premeditation and, and an attempt to cover up what happened. Um, that is significant evidence. If I was the prosecutor in this case, and it, you know, it, you don't like to say it's good evidence because what happened here is definitely not good, but it is powerful evidence for a jury to hear. To Dr. Michelle Dupree, forensic pathologist, former medical examiner, author of Homicide Investigation Field Guide, and former police detective to boot. I mean, this woman's got it all. You know, Dr. Michelle Dupree, uh, how long does a body think of ambient air in the home, let's just say 69 degrees, let's just say 69 degrees. How long would it take a body to go cold and rock hard. Well, Nancy, as you mentioned, it does depend on the ambient temperature and, and other factors. What was the state of the body before they were deceased? Um, we know that a body will decrease in temperature approximately 1.5 degrees centigrade for every hour. So that way well, we can actually... Okay, are you talking to me in centigrade? Did you just say that? <laughs> I did. I keep trying to tell you. I'm just a JD. <laughs> Speak to me and regular people talk. I only understand Fahrenheit. Okay. Now, if you ask one of my twins, they can tell you all about Celsius, everything. But please help me. Okay, Dr. Michelle Dupree. What? So the body temperature will decrease um, a little every hour, depending on the ambient temperature and other factors. But approximately, given the situation, they would probably de um, decrease in temperature and become um, stiff, as we say, rigor mortis in anywhere from 8 to 12 hours. Well, what I'm getting at is she's been dead for 8 to 12 hours. Her body propped up on the sofa, clothed, with sunglasses on, and all Daddy can tell the children is Mommy's drunk, she ruined Christmas. To Lori Galloway, Miss Galloway, it hurts me to think that our discussion is hurting you. But this is what happened to your friend, just 26 years old. When, 
What was your reaction, Lori, when you learned that she had been propped up on a sofa, had been dead 8 to 12 hours, had been clothed, and got sunglasses put on her face when 911 arrived? It was excruciating, and I knew too much already. I, I knew a lot of the background. I knew how much uh, Zizi wanted to leave the situation, how many times she tried. So when I heard that, I, I knew so much already. But to then think of the children, and I know each of the children personally, to think that they had seen that. And my immediate thing was, what is to happen with them? How is this going to affect them and the rest of their lives? It was just, it was really a lot to, to be able to take. It was just, and, and I just knew too much. I wish I didn't. Maybe it wouldn't have hurt so much. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Don't let a bad mattress stand between you and a good night's sleep. Lisa Mattress can help. From memory foam mattresses that hug in all the right places to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer incredible comfort and support at every price point. Collectively, their mattresses have over 20000 five-star reviews. Delivery is free, returns are easy, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your own home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash Nancy, thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Lori Galloway is with me. This is Zell's very dear friend. She is founder of the Eli Shelter Home for Abused Children. She's the former mayor pro tem of the city of Anaheim. On Insta, she's at Lori Galloway, Twitter, at Lori underscore Galloway. And the reason I'm giving you all of these credentials is I learned uh, prosecuting felonies, Lori, and as a volunteer at the Battered Women's Center for nearly 10 years on the hotline, that out there in the world, a lot of people believe Abuse, domestic violence, as we call it, to try to make it, that's, you know, quite the euphemism, family violence. Um, They think it's somebody else. They think it's 
poor people or uneducated people or some other race or some other country or some other section of town. It's not. You're right. I had, well, I can't say who I had call in, but a very prominent uh, politician in Atlanta at the time, wife, would call the hotline all the time. And we all knew it, but she did not want her husband arrested. She just needed somebody to talk to. She couldn't tell anybody. And I would walk away just with my stomach clenched like that, knowing what I know. And that's just what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. What did you know? When you say you knew too much, what did you know? Well, um, Zizi was wanting to get out of the situation. And she, um, he was just, just stronger in so many ways and manipulative and it was the perfect case scenario as far as for him because he could control her he knew how to get her to do things that she didn't want to do it it wasn't at all that she uh, didn't know what was going on I, I mean she tried to do everything possible I would she had resources she knew she could come to us and that we would protect her with everything. Uh, she was in college at the time. She knew about domestic violence. She wrote papers that got A pluses on what domestic violence was and, and how to recognize it and how to protect yourself from it. And so there was so much that she knew, but there was so much about Zizi that made her this kind of victim. Um, but yet she it was she was knowledgeable she knew what was going on she did not have the strength to get out of it to dr angela arnold psychiatrist out of atlanta at angelaarnoldmd.com this is one of your specialties you mm -hmm. deal a lot with women and their emotional ups and downs this woman wanted to complete classes at Cypress College and become a domestic violence counselor. Yet she's a victim of domestic violence. Not only is she a victim of domestic violence, Nancy, didn't you also say that she just had, she had a seven-week-old baby? I mean, to me, that puts a whole nother level of something on this. I don't think that that's a medical diagnosis, a whole <laughs> other level of something. What? Well, what I'm what I'm what I mean to say is that now here she found herself with a seven week old baby, and I'm not sure how much she had tried previously to get out of this relationship, if she had. But then you find yourself strapped down with a new baby, and it was his baby, correct? Yes, her new husband. You're right. A right. whole nother layer. Well, the story unfolds. What does the husband, William Wallace, say? Listen. Wallace told police that Preston had fallen over the threshold of their apartment. She landed face first on a glass coffee table, shattering it. Preston's oldest daughter testified that Wallace asked her to pull pieces of glass from her mother's body before he carried Preston into a bathroom, where Wallace dropped Preston. Her head hit the side of a toilet seat, according to the daughter. Wallace says at some point he noticed Preston was gurgling and having trouble breathing. He says he tried to revive her in the bathtub by turning on the shower, but that didn't work. He told police he pulled her out of the shower by grabbing her around the torso, but he told Preston's mom he had pulled her out by her feet. At that point, he put Preston into their bed, then passed out beside her. 
Hmm, does that jive with an earlier statement he gave? Listen. Christmas Eve, the couple attended a neighbor's party but began fighting. That fight continued once they were back in their home. According to the Orange County Register, Wallace admitted that he had, quote, tossed Preston around a bit during their argument and that he caught Preston dragging her back inside their Anaheim apartment when she tried to run away. One neighbor says they saw Wallace lifting what looked like a body at the apartment gate. The paper reported police found blood in the apartment, holes in the walls, and a door off its hinges. Holes in the walls, door off hinges. Um, police gathering information. Take a listen to the coroner's report. According to the coroner's report, Preston died of blunt force trauma to the head, rendering her unconscious. A police report says Preston sustained four to six blunt force injuries and her brain hemorrhaged. As police gathered information and Wallace's story changed repeatedly, there seemed to be at least four points in which Preston sustained those injuries. Wallace tells police that as the couple argued, he pushed her and she fell back onto the mattress. I want to go straight out to Dr. Michelle Dupree. You know, pushing somebody onto a mattress, I hardly think is going to be a COD cause of death. You're the former medical examiner, uh, forensic pathologist. Explain, how is she getting bludgeoned dead with, I think the reporter says, four points of injury by falling on a mattress? Nancy, uh, that's pretty hard to do. I think you're absolutely correct. Um, there was, she was struck with a blunt object of some type. Um, she, he may have pushed her and she fell into a glass table, but she was also struck with something else at least three other times to have four injuries. Four injuries. And to find the injuries on autopsy, what does that tell you? So that tells me basically that she was hit with an object, that it was not, um, something that she did to herself. It was not um, a fall of, of some sort. Um, it tells me that she was struck with a blunt object by someone else. How can you tell when you look at an injury, Dr. Michelle Dupree, that it was a blow from someone else? Well, Nancy, oftentimes we will find something, especially in the, the head area, we will find a depressed skull fracture, and that is an indication of being hit with a blunt object. On other parts of the body, we look for something that's very important, and that is pattern injuries. Patterned injuries can tell us so much about what happened and what object may have been used. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design icon West Elm, the natural hybrid is the culmination of the two companies' shared values of premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, 
and environmentally safe foams, the natural hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. I want to do that. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy to learn more. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Can we just talk common sense for a moment? Dan Scott, former L.A. County Sheriff's Department, 26-year Special Victims Bureau. How many times have you heard, oh, she fell or the baby fell? How likely is it that someone is going to just simply fall and trip and die? People fall and trip every day. My sister just fell last week and she broke her hand because she blocked her fall. But she didn't die. I mean, it just, it defies logic. You hear people say, oh, I was changing the baby on the changing table and it fell and died. No, you don't just fall and die. Exactly. And with the, the, like the coroner was saying, you know, they can help us tremendously. We talk to the coroner, we talk to the doctors, we get their impression of what they've seen. But then you're also going to have witnesses accounts None of this adds up. And she didn't fall into a table. That might have happened. But again, as been stated, that didn't cause her death. That would have caused glass and maybe other injuries. But the blunt force trauma to the head is obviously not from the table. And also Alexis Terrestrial, uh, CrimeOnline.com and LeadStories.com. Alexis, I heard our friends at Crime Online tell us there were four points of injury is that correct there were and the thing is so and they were all in her head and they, they were so it was so extensive they they couldn't say oh this this was the the blow that was the the death blow that she would just been hit with something or beaten over and over and over and over again in the head so for that to have happened naturally she would have to fall on her head with such velocity uh, it would it could kill her, and then I guess what stand up and fall again and again and again, or go down a flight of stairs with such velocity that she hit herself in the head every single time, four times over. No, and then to top it all off, she's dressed, sunglasses put on her face, sat on the sofa, and then Daddy tells the children, "Mommy's drunk and ruined Christmas." This is called, in our line of business, posing, staging. Posing a scene or staging a scene can be anything from closing the victim's eyes. I uh, worked on one story where the adult daughter killed mom and then put a wicker trash basket over her head for some reason. Uh, A lot of times we see defendants cover the face of a dead victim that they murdered with a blanket, with clothing. Um, the Columbus Strangler would put all the clothing in the house on top of the dead victim after raping and strangling them. Uh, if someone is killed out in the elements, I've seen many, many cases where the victim's face is covered with twigs or leaves or branches. 
that, as rudimentary as it is, is staging the scene. This goes to a whole nother level. Propping mommy up on the living room sofa, putting sunglasses on her, and telling the children she's drunk and she ruined Christmas. She's dead from blunt force trauma, not by far the first time we've seen stage staging. Do you recall the case of Israel Keys and one of his many victims, Alaskan barista Samantha Koenig. Listen. The morning after the kidnapping, Israel Keys rolled her body up and stuck it in a box in his shed and then woke his girlfriend up and his child up, went to New Orleans boarded a cruise ship and then came back about two, two and a half weeks later because of the cold temperatures she had frozen. And then he thawed her out and had to apply makeup to her in order to make her look more lifelike. You're hearing our friends at Oxygen Method of a Serial Killer. There he applies makeup to Samantha's face. Uh, take a listen to more. Please explain to us that Miss Koenig had already uh, been killed when he took that ransom photograph. That he had used a needle and thread to make her eyes appear as though she might still be alive. So there you hear more about serial killer Israel Keys applying makeup. He braided his victim's hair. Uh, he, uh, her eyes were sewn open to give her the appearance that she was alive that is definitely posing or staging the scene that was from investi investigation discovery dark minds but israel keys may he rot in hell is by far not the only one that did that i'm sure you remember btk bind torture kill dennis raider he would uh, redress his victims after assaulting them and killing them apply wigs and makeup uh listen to this well he he actually wasn't going to put her under a bridge it was a foggy rainy like snowy night he was looking for an abandoned barn because that was part of his fantasy he wanted to take her there and he couldn't find it so he finally just put her under the the bridge in the culvert so that wasn't the plan again he, many of his plans did not work out the way he expected them to um, the other one, uh, Maureen Hedge, he took out of her house and took her to his church where he had taped up plastic around the windows and he wanted to take pictures of her body in other women's underwear that he had stolen. Okay, you are hearing Dr. Catherine Ranslam, um, author of Untold Story about BTK. She is a professor at DeSalle University speaking to me about Dennis Rader. Um, I want to go to our shrink, and I, I say that in a loving, caring way. Dr. Angela Arnold, renowned psychiatrist, joining me out of Atlanta. There are, those are two examples. There's also, well, here's a, a famous one, Ted Bundy. With his victims, he would all, often um, bathe them. Um, when he bathed them, applied makeup, redid the hair. He uh, was a necrophiliac he would have sex with the dead bodies or dead body parts but he would definitely pose and stage the dead victim's body now definitely need to shrink on this go ahead dr angie I, I'm, uh, I'm not quite sure how to even form the question on this well i think that i think that it might be 
two different things. I believe that the man that killed this young woman posed and staged her for the benefit of the children. And it was Christmas, and he wanted everything to look like it was normal, and he was explaining himself about something, about the about her condition. However, I believe that in the case of the serial killers, when they pose and stage the different bodies, they're getting, they're getting more out of the act. The act that they perform when they, of the serial killing and the rape and whatever else they do to the body is not finished. They get more out of the actual act of staging and posing the body. There may, there may be some, there probably is some control in that. There, they may get some more sexual satisfaction out of that. They can't do this to a, to a live human being. And so they get all of their sexual gratification and their control gratification out of posing the dead body. I do believe there may be a difference in these two uh, scenarios, however. You know, to Melissa Hotmeyer, have you ever heard the phrase, don't bring a knife to a gunfight? I have. Okay. Well, that's what I'm about to do. I'm bringing a knife when Dr. Angela Arnold has an Uzi. But I disagree with her. This guy had 12 hours to dress her, to dress Giselle Zizi, to pat her hair down after he had beaten her in the head. Remember, nobody could see anything wrong with her. Her hair was in place. She had sunglasses on. Her clothes were not bloody. He could have put her in bed and said, Mommy doesn't feel well this morning. Or he could have gotten rid of the body, dumped it somewhere and said, Mommy got sick and had to go to the doctor. We're going to open up our presents anyway. No. He had her dressed. He had her hair fixed. He had sunglasses on her and propped her up on the sofa and videoed the children opening their Christmas gifts. Like it was a normal Christmas morning. No, no. He did this for at least eight to 12 hours, Melissa. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you're right. I also only have a JV, but this, this is somebody who I think is, is, a, is getting some sort of gratification out of it or, you know, has some sort of, I don't know. He's, he's I mean, the only word I can think of is psychopath because who, who would do something like that to your, to children? Um, to your wife, uh, I just can't think of very many things that are so traumatic to children and are so degrading to the woman that you are allegedly married to and, and love. I'm glad you said that, Melissa Hotmeyer. Degrading, because all I could think of was desecrating. To Lori Galloway, a very dear friend of Giselle Preston's, just 26 years old the founder of the Eli Shelter Home for Abused Children, former mayor pro tem of Anaheim. Not only did he kill her, beat her dead, but he then desecrated her, or as Melissa Hotmeyer correctly states, he degraded her by putting on this charade with her dead body for the children. It was just, I'm really having, uh, this is difficult to hear 
uh, again because it brings back all these memories of that that time that evening and you're so right about the the time frame it didn't just happen i mean it that party where they had the 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 fights that christmas party it started then so and and that was early on in the evening so it was a whole night of doing this and when we hear uh that it takes um, eight to 10 hours, 12 hours for rigor mortis to set in. That makes sense. It does make sense that it was, she had died many hours before Christmas morning. And so, yeah, he had to be, that was psychopathic to be able to do something like that. And then, you know, just, just be so callous that you could take a, a, a video of this and oh my gosh and, and did we even talk about how he put the baby to her breast to try to feed the baby knowing full well she had died oh okay whoa wait wait what did you just say he put the baby on Giselle's chest and um because the baby was crying and wanted to be fed so knowing full well, knowing absolutely full well that she was already dead, he places the baby there to feed. Okay, so that talks really brings in what you're trying to say is that he took some kind of sick joy in this, in, in watching someone dead perform things that someone alive is supposed to do. What is that? Uh, it's just, it's so, it's so hard to... Alexis Tereschuk, what's the latest on the case against husband William Wallace? He has been convicted and found guilty by a jury. They convicted him of murdering Giselle. When is sentencing? June 4th. If he's convicted of murder one in California, he can get life behind bars, correct? Yes, he can. He is facing life behind bars. We wait as justice unfolds. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zin 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's best hybrid mattress five years running. 
For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner.